When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Better call! Better call, better call, better call. Heavy, heavy. John, today as we speak, Wednesday is the Stanford Pro Day. And the 49ers are there. In fact, all 32 teams are there. John Lynch is there. And there is one player in particular. Tanner McKee is the quarterback who's kind of a headline guy, but there's one player in particular that I think the 49ers are going to be interested in. And today we're going to give you the scouting report on Elijah Higgins. I actually think when you go to a pro day and the quarterback is kind of the apple of everyone's eye, the people around him, you know, at the highest level, right? CJ Stroud and then uh, Smith and Jigba right? That's a number one pick and then like a top 20 pick. But you, you're able to kind of watch him in combination. Like when there's just a running back, he just kind of operating by himself or D lineman or whatever. But Higgins, a tight end who ran really well at the combine, who just kind of gets on everyone's radar because he's not the most productive player. You're really locked into the guy. Like it, there's, it's a pass and a catch, right? So he, he has a pretty good opportunity because when 32 teams are at Stanford, who's, let's face it, are down, I think that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, they, they got a quarterback who's going to go, what do you think? Definitely second day, I, I think, very good chance. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he'll p- fall past the third round, and it wouldn't shock me to see Tanner McKee in the second round. So I, I think uh, Higgins today, you just get a natural built-in kind of showcase for yourself to catch the ball. Here's his measurables, John, 6'3", 235. This is from the NFL Combine. I'm looking at Lance Erlein's uh, NFL.com uh, page here. 4.54 40-yard dash. That's the thing that I think probably really jumps off the page. Um, not a hugely productive receiver in terms of scoring touchdowns because they didn't score a lot of touchdowns, but he did have 59 catches last year, which was 12th in the Pac-12. So let me read you a scouting report I got here from a former member of Stanford's coaching staff. Remember, their coaching oh. staff has changed. Thanks, David. But I got in-depth. Now, I think a lot of people, when they watch him, are going to want to comp him to Jordan Reed. That was what I did. I texted a buddy of mine who played tight end in the NFL, and he said Jordan Reed was a more natural route runner than Elijah Higgins. Elijah Higgins is a wide receiver. Let's keep that in mind. In the slot, but I think some people think he can become an NFL tight end. In fact, he said he's been watching a lot of Evan Ingram. But let me read you the scouting report, and then we can react to it. Wide receiver speed, but tight end size, good chance as a tight end at the next level, but he hasn't had to get in a stance and block, so it'll be interesting to see if he's capable of doing that. K-12 
can easily put on weight to help with the transition because he's a shredded 235 now. Can be a, sp- a strong special teams guy right off the bat. If I'm him, I have him study. If I if I'm a team, sorry, I have him study a lot of Delaney Walker tape and tell him pattern yourself after him. Big, fast, explosive, a couple inches taller than Delaney. Decent hands, good route runner, good after the catch. Smart, competitive, led by showing emotion. Tough matchup for defenses because he's faster than most linebackers, bigger than DBs. I said, but what about his hands? Why wasn't he more productive? He said, I think he has average hands. He's not a crazy uh, catch radius guy, but he's super athletic, so maybe he can improve that part of his game. Didn't make a ton of catches in traffic, but didn't have a lot of opportunities, especially last year. Tanner didn't really try to throw guys open. I think he wasn't more productive because we sucked. Ha ha. <laughs> Rarely had guys getting wide ass open and teams knew what we were doing most of the time. One thing I think has changed is in the history of the sport up until the last, I would say five years, it was a huge knock. If they viewed you closer to a slot receiver than like an online tight end. I don't think anyone really cares if you're not a great blocker because I won't ask you to block, right? I mean, I, ideally, if I'm going to get a franchise tight end, you know, Travis tries and, and will. he's big so he can get in front of guys, but I don't think anyone would consider him a blocker. Like, Kittle's pretty unique, right? Most high-end top five tight ends in a, in a league are not Gronk or Kittle where you're like, I, 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 he dominates in the passing game and dominates the line of scrimmage. Most guys are, Kelsey's the highest level. He's a Hall of Famer. But Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp weren't blockers. I, I think when he's right, um, what's his name, who's now a giant? Uh, Darren Waller, Bear not, not, no. not a blocker. You know, Bear pa- See, before there were like guys that were kind of like, I have my pass catching tight end and my blocking tight end. I still think you can do that now. So, like, Jordan Reed was kind of ahead of his time because his comp, I went to his NFL.com, this is this is old, was Aaron Hernandez. I don't know if you could do that quite anymore. Asterisk, you just have to put an asterisk. Maybe you put Jordan now. But I think both those guys were good examples. They just became hybrid players. You didn't ask them to play the, you know, hold the point to uh, block the edge. Now, I, I saw a clip against UCLA where this guy just ran away from everyone. So his straight his straight end speed and play speed, just running with the ball in his hand, is pretty good. The one question I would have, the scouting report you just gave, when I watched his just kind of clips of his catches, if you're not a great catching radius guy and you're a slot receiver, like, that's not ideal, right? I, I need you, like, part of what makes my slot receiver, if it's a big one, like the 49ers use Juwan Jennings. If it's a smaller guy, like a Hunter Renfro, Edelman type, I need those guys to kind of be pretty sweet targets, right? Yeah. So that that would immediately, his size and speed get him drafted, right? He's been productive in the Power Five, I, and I would guess he's a very high character guy. I think we're looking at a guy closer to like the sixth round than probably like the fourth. You know, when you, when you factor in his knock, he's got to play not – you know, with the offensive lineman more as a wide receiver, but it's like we question how great he is as a wide receiver in contested areas, and that's isn't that where he's going to work? Yeah, I mean, I think if you tell me he's a sixth-round pick and not a fourth-round pick, that makes it more likely in my mind that the 49ers draft him. You know, they have the three-thirds, the three-fifths, the sixth, and three-sevenths. Um, like, one thing we'd say with them, and this is not a great comp because Kendrick Bourne was a really productive college receiver – 
and Juwan Jennings. Uh, well, I mean, maybe Juwan. Juwan obviously has been really productive, so you can't you can't project Elijah Higgins to Juwan's productivity. But the Niners have drafted two guys that they have developed different types of players. Juwan's closer in terms of like the way you'd want to the types of balls you'd probably throw to him, maybe. Um, but they have developed. So I do wonder if the Niners look at their recent track record of developing those types of guys, just later round receivers, and think we had to replace Kendrick Bourne. We did it with Juwan Jennings. We have to start planning for replacing Juwan Jennings one day soon. Um, I don't know if, if if Higgins is that guy, but I, I do think that's got to be some of their thought process is Juwan Jennings is looking like he is going to be what Bourne was, which was too expensive for us to keep. Well, he's going to be a restricted free agent next year, so they will tender him, you know, at that probably like second round where it's a couple million dollars and no one's going to trade a second round pick for him. So you got two more years with him. Uh, Ayuk's getting a little restless. <laughs> I think he got that classic, you know, after your third year Parag offer, you know, it's, he's like, what? You know, it's we still got some time, buddy. Uh, but he's not going anywhere. I, I do think that they have tried this literally with Jordan Reed. I would be stunned if they aren't in the market for a tight end who can catch. You know, obviously, uh, they just re-signed our guy, Dwelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not, like, he could get pat. I mean, this is part of football is guys like him. If the draft doesn't break his way, you can be replaced. Like, he could look up. Hell, I mean, this is a very, very deep tight end draft that if one of the good tight ends is there in the third round, if they draft a guy like this in the fifth or, you know, the seventh, somehow he falls there and he's better than you, there's no lock that you make the team. Now, you would say that Dwelly probably feels like they use Croft to block a little more than than Dwelly. Remember, they drafted what's-his-name from Georgia a couple years ago, uh, Charlie Warner. So, I mean, they, they have tried this position, and part of it is like, you know, I mean, George takes a fucking lot of wear and tear. I mean, he's yeah. kind of like, look at Gronk, right? They, they, in a weird way, you remember like Shaq with the Orlando and you're just getting attacked? Kind of feels like when you're a tight end, a do-it-all tight end like Gronk and Kittle. It's just your 10-year career is a little different than a lot of other 10-year careers at like tight end slash wide receiver, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, so so can the Niners afford a Jordan Reed roster spot if they don't have great other blockers besides George Kittle, or do they need to draft the tight end that they think can also block? Well, if, if I told you they had their 30-whatever, it's weird because Miami got taken away. Their pick it would be whatever, 30 or 29. What positions would we, like, if one of those sweet tight ends was falling, like a, a total package, would you say that would be in the mix, or would they be more likely to take a tackle there or – a You're saying if the Niners there. had their pick, gotcha. Because um, this is supposed to be, I mean, there are three or four tight ends, right? The kid, the dude from uh, Utah, the guy from fucking Oregon State that we'd be talking about. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's, Notre Dame. That's, that's no reflection of George. It's just like, we know they really like those positions. I mean, Belichick's been doubling down on that position for 20 years. Yeah. Um, they like to play with two tight ends, right? They like to have bigger, I mean, both their receivers are smaller. It'd be so, great to take some of the load off George. Would that be crazy? If I just told you in a hypothetical world they had that pick and they drafted a tight end in the first round, would they get a blowback or would people be No, like, I don't think they'd get any blowback. I think people would love it. Yeah. I think people would love it. I mean, that would be on the list. They The, the drop-off from their starter to their backup at that spot is pretty significant. 
Right. It's gigantic. I mean, now, it's, you know, a lot of positions, I guess you would argue, there's a big drop-off from the start of the backup. Um, when you talk about blocking, like generally your best blockers, there's a massive drop-off from that guy to the next guy, right? Uh, but, no, I, I would identify that, the second tight end, as a position that they still haven't quite, they've been trying to figure out for a few years. They've done okay with it. It's not a gaping hole. But they, I don't think they've quite found exactly what is the ideal there for them. Yeah, I, I think guys like this in the later rounds, I, I think Jennings is a good example. Power five guy with some traits who has some weaknesses. I mean, Jennings' big knock was, I, I would say, speed. He actually, his play speed in the NFL is pretty good, right? <laughs> I mean, for a big uh, slot, kind of what his role is asked to be, that they could take a guy like this you know, and potentially, depending on how the other tight ends, it would be hard for him to win a roster spot. That, that'd be the other thing, right? If I draft you in the in, in later in the third day on this team at tight end, it is hard to win a roster spot. But yeah. in the NFL, that's sometimes all of a sudden, it's weird. You just get in a position, you're comfortable, and all of a sudden, Matt Brady is winning a job as an undrafted free agent. It happens every year on every team. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Charlie Warner, because just looking back, this group, this this uh, 49ers organization, this version, the John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, they've never drafted a tight end higher than the fifth. That was George. They've drafted two other tight ends. The sixth rounder, Caden Smith, who was a good pick, but they had to cut him, and he's had a good career uh, out of Stanford, by the way. And and Charlie Warner was also a, a sixth-round pick. So there's the, uh, there's the tight end background on them, but wouldn't, wouldn't be shocked. And I think you're going to see a lot of people want him. Uh, kind of make the connection because as you said to me before we started recording, there's always a John Lynch always has some Pac-12 guy on his radar. Last year they took an SC guy number with their first pick. They took two SC guys the year uh, Pac-12 guys the year before. I'm trying to look, I don't think have they gone a year without a Pac-12 guy? No, they haven't. Yeah, Solomon Thomas. They drafted <clears throat> Mitch Wisnowski, uh Brandon Ayuk. Diamador Lenore and Talanoa Hufunga. So Fred Warner feels like a Pac twelve guy, but you know. We'll claim BYU, where did he feel like he went to school? Utah? Yeah. I mean I, honestly I don't even remember Fred in college. John, what did your old employer Howie Roseman love? I won't prep you for this question, so you're trying to <sighs> Uh, b- being the boss. The boss. I was gonna say studies. Didn't he love a good study, a good research project? Lives for studies. Lives for studies. So I did a little research project, and I'm here to tell you that Trey Lance is in a position, and the Niners put him in this position the second they drafted him, that no quarterback has been in since at least 1979. And in the last 30 years, nobody's even been close to this. No QB has ever been drafted in the top 10 to a team that was a bigger Super Bowl favorite than the San Francisco 49ers were when they drafted Trey Lance third overall in 2021. That is to say, no QB has ever walked into a pressurized win-now situation when drafted that high. That's the point of this. Nobody's ever walked into quite the win-now situation, and I'm basing that on odds. I can see Middlecoff's wheels turning. He's going to look something up. Well, I was was thinking about the quarterback that just claimed that John Lynch called him. But he, I don't think he Big was. Ben. I'll tell you, but, I did the research. I got all the numbers here. I went back to preseason Super Bowl odds dating back to 1979. 
and he was no, the well, he was the eleventh pick. He was the eleventh pick. So I went top fifteen picks. Okay, when the Niners drafted Trey Lance, they were fourteen to one to win the Super Bowl. Fourteen to one. Only one time has a top fifteen quarterback been drafted with better odds than that to win the Super Bowl. Roethlisberger was a good guess, but it's not Ben. It was a guy that was taken 11th. Mahomes? 2006. Jay Cutler. When the Broncos drafted Jay Cutler, they were 12-1 to to win the Super Bowl. They were coming off a 13-3 and season with Jake Plummer. So they trade up to get Jay Cutler? Uh, you know, I didn't look, but I think they they had to have. I yeah, mean, based on a thirteen and three season. Here are the other short odd teams to draft a quarterback. I, I think Kyle told that story when they traded up for Trey. They said when his dad traded up for Jay, mm. that the reason they did it is because Mike had to be so cloak and dagger about it, and we just didn't have the energy. <laughs> Interesting. And it's not even the energy. It is very it's very. Di- it's very very difficult to do your due diligence without being caught. Here are the other situations that are even close to what the Niners do you, had. Do you not count Mahomes because he was the backup? I do count Mahomes. They were uh, 25 to 1. When I they guess Alex, Alex didn't quite get the love, huh? <laughs> no. 10th overall, they were 25 to 1. But that's really low. That's These are some of the short. I'm going to read you now some of the other really short odds. When the Jets drafted Sanchez, they were 40 to 1. They drafted him 5th. In 04, I'm giving Eli to the Giants and Rivers to the Chargers. The Giants were 20 to 1. The Steelers were 30 to 1. In 99, Culpepper went 11th to the Vikings. They were 50 to 1. And that's it. Those are the guys in the last 30 years. If we go all the way back to 79, there were some guys outside of the top 10 that were close like Tony Eason to the Patriots in 15, less teams. Elway, actually the Broncos in 83 were were 50 to 1. Eventually they got him. But in the modern draft era, I'd say, no guy in the top 10, and hardly anybody in the top 15 is even close to this, but nobody in the top 10 stepped into a situation like like Trey. So uh, somebody just asked in the chat, what, what was RG3? Uh, the Redskins were 66 to 1 when they drafted RG3. Yeah, they had not been a good team. But those are short odds. Like when you look historically at teams that draft quarterbacks in the top 15, it's 20 to 1. Uh, sorry, it's 200 to 1. It's 300 yeah. to 1. It's uh, 100 to 1. It's a lot more of that than, than you know, well, look at 14 the, look at, to 1. I mean, just look at the draft this year. The Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, who were terrible. Obviously, the Carolina Panthers. You know, I mean, these are teams that – haven't been in the playoffs for a minute. I mean, the Houston Texans have been drafting really, really high now for several years. Like They've been awful. I, I would say their odds to make the playoffs are fucking huge, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's typically, think about the year the Niners traded up to get Trey. Who were the two teams above them? The Jets, who had been awful and who were clearly at the time nowhere near as talented as they are now, and the Jags, who were really, really bad. So, I mean, these are when the Bengals got Joe Burrow. I mean, most times when these quarterbacks, like it was unique, you would say one, you would say it was unique when the Chargers drafted that high just because they had they had been hit or miss in the playoffs, but they had been in that eight to ten kind of range pretty consistently with Phillip. 
right? And then they just had an all-time shit year and drafted sixth. And that's why you would say that over the last two years, they have been pretty competitive because their team actually was better than that. But that, that's pretty rare, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, 80-1 to 1 for Mayfield's-Browns was actually people thought Baker was going to be well, I, I think a good player. One thing this has really done is just completely changed my mindset of the difficulty of the transition it is for the young quarterback yeah. to come to a team with really, really high expectations. And I think when you roll it back to 2017, uh, which I'm pretty sure was Mahomes' year, right? Yep. So th- the ability for Andy, who was adamant, he's not playing. He's not playing. And who knows? I mean, it's hard It's hard to see that they might not have been a little bit better by the end of the season with him, but sure. it clearly, big picture, it has worked out. Like, that's an all-time great move, right? Letting yeah. him just take a deep breath. Yeah. And they were what, Super Bowl favorite. This Niner team is is better than them, like, right, just as a team. But from the expectations, like, he just kind of got to take a deep breath. Now, he was the backup quarterback, right? That's somewhat, I guess, not unique. I mean, he just, it's just your one injury away from having to play. And he did get to play at the end of the season. But, like, Kyle, when they drafted Trey, was adamant. One, he wasn't good enough to beat out Jimmy. And, two, like, I'm not going to let the outside noises because we're good. And I, I think it's very, very difficult for the majority of guys. Clearly, Mahomes is like an all-time outlier. Like he's headed toward fucking like Michael Jordan and Tom Brady territory. But just the average guy who's going to have like a Kirk Cousins level season, or I mean career, it, it's just really, really hard. I would say Dak. Now he was a fourth-round pick, but that Cowboy team I think had a lot of hype. And he's very, very unique, went in, and I think they ended up getting the number one seed his rookie year. But in a weird way, because he was a later pick, like if Dak Prescott had been the same, but had been the fourth pick, not the fourth round, it might have been a little different. Like he got to be under the radar first because everyone's like, their season's fucked. And that's the different last year up until he got hurt. We felt it. Everyone felt it. It was like winning eight games, winning nine games is not going to be good enough. I mean, that's... Like, look at Justin Fields, who you and I, I mean, I specifically love the guy. But, like, last year, his quote-unquote breakout year, now his team's nowhere near as good. It actually wasn't that great, beside the running element, and his team is drafting number one overall. But he got to just kind of just do whatever. There's There was no doing whatever. Look at Mac. Mac's a good example of, like, their team isn't good enough to have these sweet odds, but their expectations are, like, the playoffs – and you start feeling it by year two. It's like, this ain't good enough, man. <laughs> this is You, you got to play better. And that expectation for a young player, even Mac comes from Nick Saban. It's, it's really, really hard. Because that position... 30 to 1. Was wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that position, more than any other in sports, is just from the moment you start playing, you're just treated. You get the pressure like a star, whether you are one or not, just because you talk to the media the most, everyone in the huddle's looking at you. You, The offense, unless you're going to be an all-time great running team, like you have to pass the ball. Like it, it is dependent on you to pass the ball for completions, touchdowns. Like it, It's very, very difficult to just be a successful offense with you throwing like 12 touchdowns, right? <laughs> yeah. 
It makes it harder for you to run. Like there are all these things that you do that you that affects other things that your team does that aren't actually a result of your direct action on that play, right? If you can't throw, your team also can't run. Like it works both ways. Um. So I, you know, I think part of the point of this is what you just said, right? You've kind of changed your perspective. So have I on what you view as a good situation for a quarterback. You need space to make mistakes. But uh, it's also about, you know, in the constant ongoing conversation about Trey, just acknowledging even for whatever his shortcomings are, the things that we question with him as two guys that wanted them to draft him, that his situation is – we always talk about situations with bad organizations and bad teams, right? Yeah. Tim Couch and on and on. Like that list that I just – that I the list is filled with guys who maybe wouldn't have been good anyway, but were not set up to succeed. Haskins and Rosen and uh, uh, Bortles and RG3. Eh, RG3 was a weird one. Tannehill, Jake Locker, Gabbert, Ponder. Like what are you doing drafting Christian Ponder 12th? You know, all these things, well, if he goes – 12th to the Chiefs and sits for a year. Maybe it's a different animal playing for Andy Reid. Shitty arm. Yeah, it may not. It may not have mattered. Did lead him to a playoff, kind of. One thing back to the DAC thing, and I think Jalen Hurts falls under this. In football, and just because so many in recent memory, it feels like more than ever, teams are trading up, not just for the number one pick, right? It just in the top five range to draft quarterbacks and a lot of time early. Like we've seen now several early trades, right? The Niners did it. Uh, remember the uh, the New York Jets did it to get Sam Darnold. There is a pressure that comes on you, regardless as a as a high, I'd say top ten NFL pick. That that goes for Solomon Thomas and Cleveland Furl to the quarterbacks who are infinitely more like under the microscope. Yeah, when you are like the the Dak example. I'd put Jalen somewhat under this. I mean, these guys, especially Jalen, Alabama, Oklahoma. Like, we had been talking about Jalen since he was 18 years old because he was on the number one program in the country. And Dak, I mean, while he played at Mississippi State, which is a less famous Power 5 program, remember, he had them in, like, competing to be the number one overall team for a split second with Dan Mullen that year. So he was a relatively famous guy. When you are not drafted that high or no one trades up to get you, it's like there's just this less pressure on you. And I'm not saying that's the reason they succeed or that's the reason like it's easier for them, but it is way different. Like th- there is an element and an elephant in the room every time Trey does something that is not comparable to what Purdy got to operate in last year. Or even I would say this year, whenever he comes back, it's just like, oh, that's that seventh round pick. Now, eventually that changes. Right, like Kirk Cousins was the fourth round pick, fourth round pick, really good player, franchise tag. And then once you get this max contract, we start judging you at a higher level. But you get to roll with that like second, third, fourth. I think Jimmy and Derek were like that early on in their career. Once Derek got paid, that completely changes. But you get to have like a longer runway, which is something at that position, which is already hard, which is probably pretty nice to have. Well, it makes Jordan Love's situation so unique. On one hand, it's like, man, what an awkward spot. But on the other hand, wait, I get to sit for four years behind Aaron Rodgers with no expectation that I'm going to play? This isn't the worst thing in the world. There is an upshot to that. Wasn't well, that a good example of Aaron specifically that he kind of got to – it's weird because he didn't get to ease into it in the sense that once he started playing, it was the number one story in the sport. But yeah. it, 
and I think Jordan's going to fall under this, it wasn't really about Aaron as much as it was about Brett. Just like for Jordan, it, it will be about him, but the Aaron elephant in the room is much bigger than him. You could also argue when you're a top three pick, Aaron was not, but Trey Lance was. The second you start, whether you're replacing Ty Detmer or Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or Jimmy Garoppolo, it's going to be a massive story. So either way, they're all eyes are on Jordan Love. Just like all eyes were on Trey Lance, at least Jordan Love's got four years of really learning and practicing and playing and watching in his back pocket because either way, you're going to be on a really bright stage. You're an NFL quarterback for a legacy franchise. I mean, yeah. And And, and in Trey's case, you walked into – nobody's ever walked into a spot where the team was expected to win in the way the Niners were. I think that matters too. I mean, the brand in which you take over, right? And that Jordan Love, the Packers are – for being the smallest market team in the league. I mean, they aren't just one of the biggest NFL brands. I would say they're one of, they're just like a stalwart American brand. Yeah. <laughs> you just say the Green Bay Packers does just a random woman, they know exactly who it is. Yeah. And I think the 49ers fall under that. I, I think the Steelers do too. And you just gotta hope. And I, I think Jordan, I mean, he is taking over a team that while they had a down year last year, they still won eight games. Not like they're a two-win team, right? They they still have a lot of talent all over the place. That's what makes the Niners on a whole nother level. It's like, they're not like, oh, they got some talent. It's like, no, they're loaded with elite players. And now they have back-to-back years of, you know, having, uh, I guess, the game was tied. But they, they had the lead two years ago in an NFC Championship game and, and a tie game late into the second quarter last year with, with their backup quarterback, who was actually refactored in their fourth-string quarterback. So, like, the talent on the team is, is immense. And that, that adds to it. And they right? were in a one-score game in the NFC Championship game this year at one point. That's what I'm saying. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was 7-7, remember, when yeah. McCaffrey scored in the second yeah. quarter. And then it just, they scored, and then Josh Johnson, uh, I don't the know. The world changed. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. world changed as we know it forever. Do you think Kyle stops running Trey as much post-injury? I don't. No. But I'll be happy if he's just on the field and we get to see him play a little bit. But then there's a whole Brock element to get to. So that's it's complicated in a very different way this year. It's pretty wild. Butcherbox.com slash ham. And another special deal, free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off, right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, 
H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call, forget this question. Let's address it. This came on iTunes from Philo, where he left us a five-star review. We appreciate it. That's how you get the Haberman and Middlecoff mailbag and asked a question in his mailbag question. He said, if I tell you Brock Purdy's ceiling is peak Derek Carr, are you confident that's enough production for the Niners to win a Super Bowl with this group? Uh, I would say that Brock did something that Derek hasn't done as well in years is his comfortability and mobility within the pocket and not being scared of the oncoming rush uh, is something that I would say why a lot of people have turned on Derek. And I I do believe when Derek had his quote-unquote MVP season, he was very comfortable in the pocket. And that was a reason people were talking about him as a quote-unquote star quarterback. And then he shattered his ankle. And it's been very hit or miss since. So to me, his, his negative of feeling the rush is yeah that, that's a that's a problem it's hard to do that but if you can play what Brock was bringing to the table which is better than Derek currently and much more like a throwback to those first couple Jack Del Rio the good Raider teams uh then yeah you can compete to you know to win a Super Bowl but that that is you have to be willing and you see this with I mean Mahomes is the best at it but like Rodgers, you know, Brady stopped doing this. And it's just, now the team wasn't as good this year, but if you're not willing to sit in the pocket and be comfortable in there when there's some chaos, it, it's really hard for a passing game to function beside, now Kyle calls a lot of quick screens and stuff, but not on those plays, right? Anything breaking down the field. I have to have you sit in the pocket. And that's, I do think a fair criticism uh, of Derek is very, I would say, hit or miss with that. And it's always something that gets, wouldn't you say, emphasized in Sando's piece on Derek that over the years is just his, his toughness is the wrong word because he is a tough guy, but he's just his willingness consistently uh, is not always there. Yeah, I don't know if you caught this. It was Breer or Peter King that wrote that they thought Garoppolo was a better culture fit in the locker room than Derek Carr. That was the Raiders felt that way, whatever that means. Um, but that's not exactly what the question was. The question, I do think the intent of the question is, if you took Carr's best, is that enough to win a Super Bowl with this Niners group? And I think the answer is, for me, yes, absolutely. Now, what you got to is, well, are you saying if you replaced Brock Purdy with Derek Carr, would you win a championship? Because if you replace him... Brock has proven to do some things, particularly in the postseason, that we haven't seen Derek do for extended periods of time. 
And I do think we have to give Derek some benefit of the doubt, the organization he played for and the coaches he played for. Um, that said, I mean, take Derek's numbers. His best year, 28 touchdowns and six interceptions, way back in 2016. If I told you that was Brock's season this year, it would actually be off of his touchdown pace that he was on because he threw 13 and basically six games uh, in the regular season if you give him the Miami game as a start, which he played that game. So his majority, pace is the majority of it, right? Because Jimmy yeah. got hurt in the second series. So his pace is ahead of that. Now Derek's arm is better, whatever. But let's just say he falls off that pace a little. 28 and 6. I would say yes. You are the you might be the one seed if Purdy is 28 and 6 next year in the NFC, right? Yeah. 63.8% was Derek's year completion that year. Brock, I think, was 67 last year. I just lost. I went to his um, postseason log. 67 last year. You know, the completion percentage matters a lot to the Niners. Um, but again, if you said, okay, instead of 67, he's 65 and a half or 66, 28 and 6. I always have a hard time picking a low interception number for any quarterback. I know. Six is so low. Because six is like an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady peak year. Right. I mean, even we go to look at some of Peyton Manning's best years, you're throwing 10, 11, 12 touchdowns, or I mean, interceptions. So th- that interception number, if it's 28 and 10, I still think you're in pretty damn good shape. I mean, because yeah. Jimmy had some successful years. I, I do think, though, I hear what you said about the, the culture fit. When we talk quarterback, it's weird. Like things got weird this year with Derek. There's no way to dispute it. But in some of his good years, right, two years ago, when they made the playoffs and they beat the Chargers. And then that second year with Del Rio, when they were he was competing to win the MVP, his culture fit, right, was a huge reason. Like, beloved teammate, everyone likes him. That is a huge element to playing quarterback. If you're not going to be like, you can be a little weird if you're Aaron fucking Rodgers, but even that, like Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, I think what Trevor Lawrence is becoming, Brady forever, Peyton Manning. Like, I need that with my quarterback. If I'm going to win, like one thing the 49ers have had with Jimmy Garoppolo, very, very well liked. Very, very well liked. So it's like, and I think the Niners feel comfortable that their quarterback situation, these guys are all really well liked, Trey included. But like, I I feel pretty comfortable with Brock because of the way the other guys talked about him. Nick Bosa, we got a quarterback. Fred Warner, this guy's going to shock people. I mean, th- these aren't. I mean, it's is it hyperbole to say that Fred's like on a Hall of Fame trajectory? I mean, these, this is obviously Nick. He's got a long way to go, but I'm just saying, like, you maintain this. You'd be an all pro middle linebacker for five, six years. Like, you're in that conversation. Bosa's already won Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, these, this isn't just like good players, like Jimmy Ward saying that, which I w- would have validity to me, but this is some of the best players in the league. Trent Williams, George Kittle, yeah. they have your back. And, and, I, and I'm just saying it like, Remember what's his name uh, when Trent Green got hurt and Vermeil's like, Kurt Warner's our quarterback and we will win with Kurt Warner. Did he truly believe it at the time? Probably not. I do think that these guys aren't just throwing it out there, keeping their fingers crossed. Like They, they think this kid's pretty good. And they, they thought that before he even started playing. Um, You know, you could get a lot of equity playing in the postseason. And when you're on a good team, you get chances to play in the postseason, right? Like we, you and I were talking off air about Mike Trout, who's played in three postseason games. So if Mike Trout's a big game player, we don't know yet because he hasn't played any big games. He's a great sure. player, but he's 
like you brought up Kyle Schwarber to me. I see Kyle Schwarber hit a bunch of big home runs, right? Because he's been in a bunch of big games. Harper. Bryce, who's, I think, hurt right now. Yeah, um, Tommy John. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. I, I, oh, do you have something else on that? Because I have another one to get to here. Yeah, I, I think most guys don't just, like, get to the mountaintop really quickly, right? I mean, Russell Wilson made the playoffs his first year, second year he won the Super Bowl. Like, Brock has adversity right now. And, and there is an unknown element separate from his play last year and his character of, like, Physically, is it is he going to be able to throw come August 15th or September 15th? Like, is his arm completely healed? Like, we got a long way to go there. But if we just assume everything's going to go well, I, I think the 49ers, and this is not some group, I think they kind of did it last year, and they were very uncomfortable with it. They went on the hope and the bold move they had made with Trey, and it was it, it, it made them all uncomfortable. You and I were at these practices, I would say by like a weekend to the full pads, you could just tell there was an unease, unease and there was an edginess to, to the offense, to the, some of the skill guys. It, it was just, it was an uncomfortable thing. And I think they're all pretty comfortable with Brock because they've seen it. They know he can run it. So if he's fully healthy, which is a great unknown, I think it'll give them a level of comfort that honestly might not exist till he comes back because Trey's working through things, coming back off an injury. Sam's, Right, you know, nipping at his heels, learning the playbook. Sam, Sam just got the playbook last week, and Middlecoff has him nipping at his heels. No, I'm, you're well, not 50, wrong. 55 no. career starts? No, I know, I know. I'm giving you a hard time. You're not wrong. Um, let me, let's, let's bring another mailback question. Normally they have to be on iTunes, but not all are. This one came on Instagram from Sean O. And Sean said, John, uh, should I read this Jimmy Garoppolo quote as a shot at Trey Lance or not? So let me let's let's read this. This is uh, from Pro Football Talk. This is what Jimmy said at his introductory press conference. I'm coming in with the mindset I need to earn everything. I don't want to be given any you're the franchise guy or whatever. I want to come in and earn it. I think it will come through hard work, working with teammates, being in the facility. All those little things will play a role. But, yeah, I don't want to be given anything. I want to earn it just because I'm the quarterback. I'm not the leader because of that. I want to be the leader because guys respect me and believe in me. I think it will happen naturally. I don't want to force anything, be inauthentic. I just want to be myself. It's done me well in the past. So Sean asks, Sean O asks, is, this, is he referring to Trey Lance kind of secretly here? I mean, he did get a $100 million contract based on five games with the 49ers. So he is, there has been a moment. Now you could say those five games are more than anything Trey had done previously to, to get the job. I threw out when they signed Sam Darnold that this offseason is going to be healthy for him because he'll finally have to compete, which he didn't in a weird way his first two years. First yeah. year, he redshirted. Yeah. Second year, he got handed the job. And then a lot of people, and I threw this out on Twitter, responded, well, most guys drafted really high by their second year at minimum just get handed the jobs, kind of the way it works. I started thinking it's kind of the true. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> so, you know, did you see Nick Saban? Was it yesterday about his guy that was driving 150 miles an hour with a, you know, 700 grams of weed and uh -huh. $8 million with a cat or 800 or 8,000, whatever, some whatever, a lot of cash. Yeah. Did you think he was taking a shot at NATO's? No, I don't think he would do that. Yeah, I think he might have just been like talking shit to his own five star guy that he was. For people really that don't know, he said something like being in the wrong place at the wrong time is not an excuse or something like that. 
I think this guy, I just looked him up, like was a super heralded five-star. I think he's pissed, right? I wonder if Jimmy's just more talking like, I got to reestablish myself going to a new team. Because so, it sure felt like those two guys liked each other. Right? Um, I think that, yeah, I think Jimmy understood that. To me, it's not so much Jimmy taking a shot. Jimmy did just live that experience, though. And the reality of the situation is what you described. Trey Lance was given the job. So Jimmy's just describing things, and I think you just kind of nailed it, that happened across NFL camps throughout the history of the league and will continue to happen in the future of the league. That's not the position he was ever in, right? Although he kind of was in that position when they traded for him, but he was not He was Tom Brady's third string. So... He, the the one thing I would say is that by the time the Niners traded whatever their second round pick for him, he had earned right a, his status around the league of like kept improving. His preseason tape was really good until he got hurt in that second game when Brady got you know suspended. It was clear like this guy's a starting quarterback now in the NFL. Like he had kind of earned that right. Uh, I do think part of it is he did grow up in an organization before he got to Kyle that was really all about that. And who's he going to now? I mean, a Patriot guy. So I, I just think he kind of speaks that language. One thing I, you would give Jimmy for some of his faults as a player, his, his quarterback verbiage in front of a press conference is, is pretty high level. Like he, he knows the drill. He knows what to be said. I think it's, it's fair to say too. It's not just words. Like he's kind of lived it. Mm-hmm. He just has some limitations. Like his knock really is more on like playing like certain throws and certain plays than like coming in out of shape or not knowing the playbook or, you know, not being well liked. He, he checks way more boxes than he doesn't. His, his, the boxes he doesn't check is like, well, he doesn't throw the ball great outside the numbers and he's not that mobile and he's not a great playmaker. His is really more knocks as a player. I would say if I were to summarize Jimmy, it would be. Um, doesn't have the physical talent to make all the plays that he tries to make. Wouldn't you say, I just kind of crossed my mind, like thinking about the baseball game last night. Some guys, even at the highest level, like they just have limitations. Like it's really, really hard to play quarterback. Really, really hard. And the reason that like Cousins will never be a top five or six quarterback is like physically he just has some limitations. Right, Dak Prescott just has his arm is just probably closer to average than it is strong. Jimmy Garoppolo's arm, you know, is not great, but he makes up for it by having a quick release. Like so, he has he kind of balances some positives and negatives. But like he's just a flawed player who brings a lot to the table. It's why he's able to start. And uh, I think it's going to be fascinating this year. Like if the Raiders, like they were last year, just have some flaws as a team and not that great. Does Jimmy get completely exposed, or does actually he play well? I, I don't feel great taking a stance. I, I'm, I have a lot of unknown on Jimmy Garoppolo going into the season. Yeah, and that's if he's healthy, which is the biggest unknown. One hundred percent. Then you get a bunch of unknowns after that. Next up, uh, I'll just read. There's a lot here, so I'll just read the top. Uh, did Kyle Shan? This is from uh, Monathapalamalamalus. Uh, I can't read the name. <laughs> Uh, did Shanahan distrust Jimmy after losing the Super Bowl, and did he change his play calling? If he did, was he right to do so? 
Until the Super Bowl, the Niners made uh, 33.4 attempts per game, threw for 247 yards, one and a half touchdowns a game. Those numbers all went down after the Super Bowl, from 247 and a half to 231, from 33 attempts to 28, and from one and a half touchdowns to 1.3. So did the Super Bowl cause Kyle to distrust Jimmy? I mean, I think you could argue it started happening if it happened that way before the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game that year in 2019 when Jimmy had, what, eight, six, eight pass attempts against the Minnesota Vikings. Now the game dictated that, right? Yeah, it feels like Kyle is a uh, very early on in a game. Like, if he was a basketball player, he missed a couple shots, he just starts passing from then on out. Like, once he sniffs you, like, oh, you might not have it, which Jimmy can just actually have it, but, you know, just a series can look... I mean, honestly, like one of the worst quarterbacks you've ever seen. Kyle just coaches, I feel, independently in that game. You know, and if you look back 2021, they were way behind the eight ball because their record, and it somewhat happened again this year. It's not like they get out to these 4-0 stars where he has like breathing room. He hasn't really had breathing room till this season. And even then, once they started kind of rolling, Jimmy's foot breaks – and he's got to go to his third-string quarterback. So he's had one of the most bizarre four-year stretches for a guy that's won, whatever, six playoff games you'll ever see in your entire life. Because <laughs> it has not been like – like this year for the Chiefs, they're just the number one seed, won the AFC West, it felt like, in like a Halloween. <laughs> and it honestly doesn't feel like the 49ers probably closer next year to having that again just because their division isn't as good yeah. as it has been in years past. But and in only, 19, they played the kind of season that usually plays out that way. It's just Seattle was good, too. Yeah, I mean, they had to win the last game to win the division. Yeah. I'm just saying, though, they put, like, if you play the Niners the way they played that season 10 times, like, you run away with your division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven and a half of them. Agreed. You know. Um, but more, I, that's he, what made it so eye-opening. conservative when he, coach. Well, that's what made it so eye-opening when he came out in the rain against the Cowboys and just... Brock, chuck it. I'm like, oh, well, that looked bad. He's not going to do it again. And then Brock, chuck it. Like, who is this Kyle Shanahan? Who is this guy? Brock brought some looseness to it, too. Okay. Maybe just kind of like this house money feel. All right, John. And uh, finally, from uh, I, uh, Apple iTunes. Do they call it iTunes anymore? Apple Podcast Reviews. This is a long one, so buckle in. It sounds very critical, but it's it's a fun, fun review here from uh, Pagan or Pagan. I don't know. If Trey Lance falls in a forest, would anyone hear him? Despite John Lynch talking far more about Lance than Purdy at his combine press conference, Ham's disdain for Lance has now reached the level that he is barely mentioned. Perhaps they think if they ignore him, he will go away. Would love to hear Muddlecoff's thoughts on Josh Allen after his first and second seasons, but I can't be arsed. That said, it's important to listen to people who have opposite views of your own. This is a consistently interesting and enjoyable pod. Two notes. One. Please learn the definition of unique. Every time you guys say unique, it's unique, quite unique, very unique, somewhat unique. A little bit of humanity does. Is that me? Do I say the word unique a lot, do you think, or is that you? Might be me. Uh, number two, the word guy keeps stumbling on to find regarding the Favre-Rogers drama is schism. The Urban Dictionary definition of chism which guy incorrectly used is not suitable for this website. Keep up the banter. Uh, 
I this looked guy's doing some serious notes at on the this. Urban Dictionary <laughs> uh, definition of what I was saying, and it's a uh, bodily fluid. So, uh, which results from uh, excitement, arousal. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go chism, schism, schism. Schism. schism is the word schism. we're looking for. Schism, schism, not chism, <laughs> is the correct word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was some some notes. Some good notes there. So there you go. We don't again. I, I feel very, very confident about this Lance thing. I don't have a, a horse in this race. It, it does not matter to me. The only thing that matters to me is that this team is in the playoffs and playing in meaningful games. That's that's the only thing I care about. So if, if Trey Lance is that guy, I'm all for it. I just don't feel confident that that's the case. Why? Because last year when he was given his opportunity, the players on the team who aren't going to publicly do it, so they were anonymously doing it, were not feeling good about it. And then when he got hurt and Jimmy came in, it was like they fucking had the greatest birthday party of all their lives, and they just partied on the field all game long. And then when Purdy got the shot, they partied again. And they never mentioned Trey. Like, they never do. And this is a lot of guys, I would say this about the crew, besides like Trent, who you're not going to say anything. A lot of takes, a lot of opinions. Kittle, I, I watched some of Kittle with uh, Theo, Theo Vaughn. Vaughn. A lot of takes from Kittle. Debo gave more takes than is humanly possible on his Super Bowl run Yeah, uh, we, for Media Row. Debo should do a weekly Russo hit, I think. Him and Mad Dog. Fred will just talk. and, and Jimmy Ward has takes. They, they just do not talk about the way that those players were talked about. The other thing with the Bills is Josh played full-time through two years, and it was up and down, but their team was also... Remember, much shittier. It took them a while to build up. They made the playoffs, I think, his first year, but it was because, remember, it was like Andy Dalton uh, beat the Ravens and the Bills donated all that money to his charity. That was either first or second year. Like, the Bills got very lucky. And, like, Kyle Williams, who's the lone defensive tackle, who's like a plus handicap in golf, was crying in his locker. It was a cool moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was not like some 49er team. If, like, I, I, I like the pick. I don't feel good about it. Just like the team didn't feel good about it. Why they, if the guy's healthy, the seventh round Mr. Relevant is their starting quarterback. So I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's, this isn't, there's no emotion involved here. Like if I, if I, now I guess I'm not emotionally, I don't feel great about like his, his future, but I'm prepared to be wrong. I'd be fine. I'd be yeah. cool with it. I'd yeah. probably bet against it. Well, yeah. Will they be calling Big Ben at any point this season? That's the real question. Another guy with a podcast. Ben's got a podcast now? I think that's where... Uh, no, I I think where he said... He said it on like K-Jazz or something. Yeah, K-Jazz, like Mark Murphy, the... The bone. You know, oh, yeah, the, it was... It, yeah, it is. You're right. It, it's uh, Mark uh, Mad Dog or... Uh, uh, Must be a Pittsburgh station, right? Is it Murphy? No. It was yeah, I think it, it was it wasn't a, his podcast. Ben's been going on Pittsburgh radio for a long time. At first, I thought it was crazy when I saw the headline... And then I thought, the, he the quotes I saw, he didn't specify whether it was like when Trey went down or when Jimmy went down. If you factor it in when Jimmy went down, I'm sure they called a lot of people. Like, remember I Rivers? Is it crazy to think yeah. like they just... Josh Johnson was not their first choice. I'm right. sure they wanted a veteran quarterback. Hey, come in. See if you can learn the offense. Right? I would imagine they called three or four guys that were recently retired. The, the way... Uh uh, Florio wrote it. it. It came right before they signed Josh Johnson. Yeah. So 
does that bring more clarity to Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean like we call Big Ben to be the starting quarterback on the 49ers. That would have been pretty insane. It just meant we need somebody. We don't know what's going to happen. We need a body in here. Let's I would say even at the time. played NFL quarterback at a high level. And I know they had just beat the Dolphins with Purdy. I don't think they were like Kyle and John. Were like, oh, no, we got Mr. Relevant. He's going to take us to the playoffs. Sure, right? but you couldn't have rolled Ben out the next week. No, no, no. But th- they weren't as confident like as what they became. Yeah. yeah, no, that's true. But I, are you convinced that if Ben Roethlisberger comes into the Eagles game, it looks any better than Josh Johnson did? Because I'm not. No. Does, how does Ben look right? Like, What is his physical state at this moment in time? Great question. Well, Ben joins us now. Hey, Ben. No, I don't know. It's an old photo. Unfair. I think if Ben Roethlisberger wanted to do it, you would take him over Josh Johnson without hesitation. I agree. I agree with that. And, and by the time you get to the Eagles game, if he's been on your roster, maybe he's in, you know, maybe it does look better than it did with Josh. But, you know, I mean, if you told me Ben came back to play for the Steelers week nine or week 15 last year, it could have looked really bad. For sure. So. Probably. Rivers, I think Rivers would have had a better chance. And Rivers, I would have gone Rivers over Big Ben, I think. What do you think? Mm, I think Philip Farm was better than Ben's at the end. Yeah, I mean, Rivers hadn't played in two years. Yeah. Ben just played last year. Yeah, tough Boy, guy. <laughs> this is what you're down to. I think more likely to be in shape is kind of what I was thinking, but. Yeah, neither guy at this point can. I mean, obviously, Philip never could. Ben can't either, right? He wasn't a mobile guy. Mm-mm. I mean, you get to December and you start calling these guys, it shows you you're kind of shit out of luck. <laughs> it does. It really does. <laughs> All right. Uh, get in the Haberman and Middlecoff mailbag by going to Apple Podcast and leaving us a review. We appreciate that. Put your question in the review, and uh, we'll continue to get to go to get to those. There were a few DMs in the show today, but. You know, DMs are DMs are great. They're welcome, but they're hit or miss because they're hard to keep track of. Whereas the Apple reviews, we appreciate and they help us out. And uh, it's easy for us to to access them in terms of keeping track of them. The DMs, things get lost uh, in the DMs. So, schism, schism, right? You don't want to chism. <laughs> nope. All right. Uh, thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Later. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.